Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. Tonight I have with me Mason and Sierra Dahl. Sierra is a current student of mine and just recently, a few days ago, I overheard her talking about one of her life stories and I approached her and asked her if she'd be willing to be on this podcast. I'm really excited to hear for the first time what your story is all about. So I am going to turn time right over to you, and you can start where you think your story began, okay? Okay, thank you so much. I'm excited to be on this podcast. So my story starts off when I was six years old. I was feeling really, really sick one day, and I was throwing up all the time, and my mom was a nurse, and so she brought me into the ER one day and was saying, hey, this isn't feeling right. You know, she had that mother instinct, and the doctor said, oh, it's okay. It's just a flu. And so he sent me back, and I was not getting better, and my hands were getting cold, and I was not feeling very good at all. And I don't think I had a fever at all, so it was kind of weird. So my mom takes me back to the doctor again, and she demanded a chest x-ray. And in that chest x-ray, the results came back, and they found out that my heart was the two-thirds of my chest cavity. It covered that much, which was pretty insane for a little girl. And he explained that I had dilated cardiomyopathy, which is a mouthful. (laughs) So then um, after that I got sent to Boise where they had better care because I lived in a rural area and the best that they could do was probably give me medication and life light me over to where they had better care and so I'm at St. Luke's and with dilated cardiomyopathy you can treat it with you can sometimes treat it with medication if it's an early onset but at this point Personally, I think it was too late. And so that's what my the Boise doctor was trying to do. She was trying to treat my dilated cardiomyopathy with medication. So I would get better and then for like a week or something, and then I would go back to throwing up and not feeling very well, which was kind of weird. So then later on, the Boise doctors were saying, okay, there's not a whole lot we can do. And we can either send you to Salt Lake at Primary Children's or we can send you to Stanford. And so I ended up going to Stanford and they said, wow, she's really, really sick. And it was really crazy. So this was August and they said, she is so sick that we're going to try and put her on this thing called the Berlin Heart that hadn't been FDA approved. It was actually in Germany. And so the doctors kind of forced my parents to sign this because they're like, this is the only thing that could save your daughter tonight. So they signed the papers, hoping, knowing full well. And so the doctors turned my parents away saying, your your daughter's going to die tonight if she doesn't get a heart. So my parents obviously go home calling everyone that they know and said, please pray for our daughter because We don't know what's going to happen to her tonight. So later that night, my parents get woken up by a call from the doctors and saying that I had a heart. And my mom's like, Jason, Jason, we got to we got to get up. You got to get up. She has a heart. She has a heart. And he says, I don't believe it. Give me that phone. 
And so she's running around <laughs> trying to get things figured yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there as soon as we can. And that night, the heart transplant doctor performed three different surgeries, three heart transplant surgeries, which was crazy. And so, yes, yeah, so that was the first time that Stanford has, was able to perform three different surgeries in one night. And my parents said that it was so crazy because, so I got my heart transplant. And then the next day when I was coming out of surgery, my parents felt my hands and they were so warm and my cheeks were pink and my lips were pink. And because when you're in heart failure, the first thing that goes is your stomach and it pulls all of that blood to your vital organs, like your heart and your brain. So that's why I was throwing up all the time. That's why my hands were cold and I was constantly cold. So then uh, dilated cardiomyopathy, I was not born with it. When they took an echo of me when I was born, or you don't do that, but when you were born, you're not born with dilated cardiomyopathy. It Mm kind of just grows with you. Something else is like there's no family history on either side of heart or cardiovascular issues. That's true. Yes. So then I think it was eight years later, my sister, so I have four younger siblings, and um, my younger sister started to have the same things as me. You know, she was constantly throwing up. She was not sleeping well. Her tummy was always hurting. And my parents kind of had like a big major flashback and were like, oh, no. They're like, like, not again. Yeah, yeah, not again. So my mom's like, okay, we're not messing around this time. We're going to go straight to the doctor and we're going to get a chest x-ray. Like we kind of, we've been through this before. And the doctor comes back and says, so tell me a little bit more about Sierra. And my parents said that, you know, a stone fell in their stomach. You know, their, their stomach just fell. And Lindsay saw that on their faces. And And Lindsay's your sister. Lindsay is my younger sister, yes. Mm -hmm. And she said, my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. I'm sorry, my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. And I think that's my parents' number one regret is her seeing that fear in their faces. Mm. So they go straight to Stanford, and she is actually put on this device, the Berlin Heart. So what exactly is the Berlin Heart? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So the Berlin Heart is a special device that helps pump blood for your heart. Um, There's two big tubes, probably the size of your thumbs, that went into her abdomen. And one part kind of went through the aorta and the other part went through a different part of her heart. And there was a device by her lower stomach and you could see the blood go in and out and it would swirl for you. And Connected to this device was a small hose to this machine that pumped the air, and it looked mm-hmm. like a small grocery cart. Mm-hmm. We ended up nicknaming it Trianel Rib because you got to have some funny in this yeah. time of seriousness. Yeah. But And you never had to use the Berlin? I did not, no. Okay, okay, because they found a heart for you. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so back to your sister. Yes. So she was on this device and had to be in the hospital for a total of 230-something days. She was on this device, which is crazy. 
consecutively? She never left the hospital? She never left the hospital. She had to stay there. And she was on the heart transplant list even longer than that, right? Like 290-something days. Yeah. So she was on this device for a really long time, you know. Thanksgiving goes by, Christmas goes by, and then finally Valentine's Day rolls around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the nurses are all whispering. And my mom, one of the nurses calls in. She's like, hey, Stacy, can we see you for a little bit? And my mom comes back and she has this like glow in her eyes. I can see it. And I got this feeling I, that, oh, Lindsay has a heart. This has ended. Like, I didn't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And she then goes back and then she comes back inside. And I was like, oh, my goodness, mom, does Lindsay have a heart? She's I don't know, I don't know, trying to hold it in, all this excitement because my dad was coming back from something. And the nurses, we actually had it on videotape, and we came in and my dad's like knelt down on one knee and getting right eye level to Lindsay and says, guess what, Lindsay? And she said, what, do I have a heart? And she says, you have a heart. And she screams so loud and she just like starts crying. You know, because all of that relief, you know, we've been there for so long, almost a full year, you know, and it was just so exciting. There was so much emotion and she just cried in my dad's arms and my dad was crying with her and my mom was crying and I was crying and my brother wasn't understanding what was happening. (laughs) Like, is she happy crying? (laughs) So that was really, really exciting. A few months later, though, my little brother, Gage, decided that he wanted to join in on the fun as well. Oh, you're kidding me. So it's pretty crazy. (laughs) And, you know, he starts to have these flu-like symptoms, and his heart's kind of weird, and... And so they're like, okay, we'll just get her, we'll just get him straight to Stanford. He ended up getting a pacemaker with a defibrillator because his heart was just acting really weird. And they noticed some patterns in him that he needed to get a heart transplant. So they put him on the list. And as my sister was getting discharged from the hospital, they were coming out with this device called the HeartMate. So it's very similar to the Berlin Heart where it pumps the blood for you. But instead of outside where you can see it, it's inside of you. So he just had like three little wires coming out of the side of him with a little backpack. And That was very interesting to see, like, the technology that goes on. So he was able to be outside at the hospital, and we actually chanced it and went home a couple times. (laughs) And he was on the device as long as Lindsay, but it didn't seem as long because we were outside of the hospital, right? So he was able to get his heart, and I think it was a couple months after that. I'm not sure if Gage had already had his heart I'm not sure (laughs) and I ran up the stairs one time and then came back and I almost fainted and it wasn't a whole lot of stairs and they came to find out that I had this thing called coronary artery disease so I was put on the transplant again so you got a heart that already was diseased no it just came like when I had it it was just fine I was coming up on my Mm. nine-year anniversary Mm which is crazy. And I was on the transplant list and I like the heart that they gave me was just fine. Okay. It was right for the situation that I had. It wasn't absolutely perfect. 
And I think that was kind of something. So yeah, so I was coming up on my nine-year anniversary and Gage was on this HeartMate device. And I had the opportunity to contact and visit with my donor family, which was so special, very, very special. And to understand where my donor family was and to let them hear his heart one last time. And I told my mom before meeting them, I said, I don't know if I can tell them that I had to be on the transplant list again. Like, they're just going to think that I failed and whatever. And she says, I guess you really don't have to tell them. But I decided to do it anyways. So anyways, they came, we met at a park, and I brought a stethoscope so that they could hear his heart. And I was able to get the story of what had happened to my donor, who was Nicholas, and he was four years old at the time. The donor family was telling me Nicholas's biological father was in prison. His biological mother was working at the hospital, and his stepfather was at home with him. And his stepfather got really drunk one night. And he lost some consciousness and had somehow beat Nicholas to be unrecognizable. And the stepfather finally came to and he hurried him off to the hospital to where his mother was. And she said, well, how did this happen? How did this happen? And he's like, I don't know. I can't remember. I I don't know what happened. And she said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to say it's an ATV accident. So they bring him into the ER, and and the nurses and doctors are obviously checking him out, and they're kind of realizing if this is an ATV accident, how can this be that the parents are fine and not him? Mm-hmm. And I think they were starting to put some things together. And the grandmother was somewhere else, and they decided that there's not a whole lot we can do. And the people who come to Harvest Organs came and said, there's not a whole lot we can do. He's he's brain dead, but his organs are in great condition. Mm-hmm. And so you have the choice here to provide those organs to somebody else, and he can keep going or whatever your choice is. And they decided to pull the plug, and that's how I was able to receive his heart. And how old were you at that time? I was six. You were six, and this little boy, Nicholas, was four. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of breaks your heart because you hear this story about these two kids. One, her parents were just told, your daughter's going to die tonight if you don't get a heart inside of her. And this other kid, you know, he's just living a happy life, and then all of a sudden, everything changes in the blink of an eye. And Mm -hmm. even though your soul just absolutely hurts and wrenches for this poor four-year-old kid, it's a wide range of emotions because you're also very excited for this six-year-old girl that now has all of this opportunity. And what a lot of people don't realize is that with hearts, it's not like a kidney or a liver. It has to be just about 100% a perfect match in order for it to go into a, from a donor into a recipient. And um, so the fact that it all happened is just a definite manifestation of divinity and a divine hand that watches over everything. Right. But because it was kind of an emergency on Sierra's end where she was going to die by the next morning, we aren't sure if it was 100%, and that's kind of what led to the coronary artery disease and the Mm -hmm. rejection that ended up with her second heart transplant. I see. Okay. So meeting that donor family was just a really special event for me. And 
Lindsay and Gage have sent letters to their donor families and they haven't received anything from them either. So then fast forwarding, I told them that I did have to get another transplant and the grandmother, she has, I think she has some Latino heritage and so they just have that culture to just bring everybody in and they were just so happy and she said, oh baby, it's okay, at least he gave you these nine years of living exactly. and, yeah. and at least his spirit is still going on, you're just fine baby, you know, and that was very comforting for me. And a couple months later, I actually received my second heart transplant from a 13-year-old girl. And I haven't been in contact with them, but it was kind of funny. That night, my mom woke up and she said, Sierra, Sierra, wake up. You, you have a heart. You have a heart. And my sister, who was right next to me, she said, Sierra, Sierra, wake up. You have a heart. And I said, that's great. Can we go back to bed now? <laughs> Knowing full well that it was going to be a couple hours until anything actually happened. So overall, it was really exciting. And I am so very grateful for the blessings that I have been given. Let me ask you a question, Sierra. Through it all, what lessons have you learned? What has it done for you, knowing you were a recipient of two people's hearts that allowed you to be here talking to me tonight, to be able to be married to Mason and have your life back. What's that like for you? I definitely count each day as very special, knowing that my hands are in God's hands. Mm -hmm. And I really do count my blessings every day. And write in my gratitude journal, you know, it's it's important. I've, I look at, it, at life at a new angle, knowing that I have escaped death twice. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I have an eternal perspective on things. And it's so very special to me. Life is very precious. All right. Precious, fragile, unpredictable, all the above, right? And I know and you guys know that there's a reason behind everything. There's a purpose. And we don't know, perhaps, what God's purpose is that spared your life twice, that was able to get two hearts for you the way they came, and um, you have a new angle on life. What's that angle exactly? I think my new angle is, like I said, life is precious, and I know that things can be gone in a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. And the things that are so important to some people aren't important to me. You know, the, the foundations, you know, the gospel, family, those things are eternal. And I really grasp onto those things where maybe something that my friend said the other day that really angered me, you know, that's not important, knowing that life is fragile. Right. Mason, you obviously didn't know her when all this was happening, but being married to her now, how do you say she lives life? Well, she definitely focuses on the people around her that way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has really impressed upon me and that I've learned a lot from, I moved around quite a bit growing up, but everything while Lindsay, Gage, Sierra were going through their heart transplants, a big part of the story is everything that was going on back home. The people of Baker County and especially North Powder and Haines, they um, just completely rallied as a community. I mean, Jason, Sierra's dad, still had his CPA firm that he was trying to manage as well as the farm. And on top of all of that, not only did they help him with that, which allowed him to be with his family where he was supposed to be, but they also threw fundraisers and did so many different service projects and so many people paid so much 
sacrifice so that this family could be together again. And um, something I've noticed about Sierra because of that is she's really thankful for her roots, but she's also very grateful for the families that paid the ultimate price so that she can be here, as well as one of her really good friends, Lauren from high school, who um, Sierra is going to have to tell the story a little bit, but it, I'm just glad that there are so many people who love Sierra as much as I do. What's the story behind Lauren, Sierra? So Lauren was one of my best friends through, mm, I would say probably through middle of high school, so probably my sef- sophomore year, and I was in the hospital, and my other friends that were in our group or whatever texted me and said, hey, have you heard? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, maybe we shouldn't tell her. She is kind of going through a rough time. And I was like, okay, what is going on? And they said, Lauren committed suicide. And I was just so taken aback. And I was being discharged that day. So the doctors, 15 of them walked through my door as soon as I get that. I, And I was like, oh my goodness. And so obviously my mom was right there. So before they walked in, I said, mom, Lauren committed suicide. And she said, what? And then they walked in the door and she was like, sorry, she just had found out one of her friends committed suicide and then later that day one of the officers who's investigating it said hey like did Lauren ever talk to you trying to understand Lauren's situation and he said she actually left a note and I was like okay and he said she mentioned you in it and I thought that that's interesting I wonder why she said that and he said in the note she said Please give my heart to Sierra. Really? And to this day, I don't understand why she said that. And she was a very, very smart young lady. And I felt like she could have known that that we had to be the same blood type at least. Like, how would she know if I was, like, didn't she know it didn't have to be her? It had, so there was just some different things that happened there and so it was interesting and very sad at the same time. I think it was a gesture on her part to basically say I think a lot of Sierra. You know you didn't get her heart but the fact that she mentioned that speaks volumes Yeah, about how she felt about you. Yeah it took me by surprise when the officer said that. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting that. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, let's finish up with this. You've been through a lot. You've had experiences in your life that have altered your life's path, basically, and made you who you are today. So with that, what would you say to other people who are going through challenges, who are going through struggles and trials in their life, because you now have a new, like you said, angle on life? What could you say to people who are struggling with something? I think something that has always stuck with me was when we were waiting in the hospital with Lindsay, my mom said, there has to be an end. This trial can't last forever. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've noticed as well is like trials don't last forever. There is an end. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just sometimes have to find it. And I would also say hold fast to the gospel. It is eternal. 
I know that's easier said than done, you know, but yeah, the gospel is eternal. It's, it's essential to our lives. And that's what's helped pull you through. Yeah. Very good. Is there any last things you'd like to say, Mason, before we wrap it up? Yeah, I'm just very grateful. Sierra's a pretty awesome gal. Yeah. The fact that I get to spend as much time with her as I do is just absolutely awesome. How does eternity sound? Oh, it sounds pretty great. <laughs> um, when we were actually moving up to Baker, before we knew any of the Binghams, we were telling some people in the small community that we were from that we were moving up there. And, and uh, one of the ladies said, oh, that name sounds really familiar. From Baker City, huh? Oh, I remember. There was a dateline about this family. And, uh, you know, I got up there and Sierra's grandma ended up being my piano teacher. <laughs> and I, I don't play the piano at all. So, And one of her uncles ended up being the ag teacher at the high school that I was very good friends with and still am. And as well as some of her other relatives. And then getting to know Sierra, being friends in high school, and then once we came back from missions, dating, going through the engagement process and courting, and and being married now for three years has taught me a lot about the familial values and the connection that you can have with other people that goes so much deeper than anything I would have realized before. Well said. Kind of a tough cookie, aren't you, Sierra? Kind of have to be. Kind of have to be. (laughs) All right. Well, I just want to thank both of you for taking time out of your evening to come over and and be part of this podcast. I appreciate your message and the strength and the courage that you've been able to express for other people. So thank you very much. Thank you. You bet. And to my listeners, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye-bye.